Yeah. Uh, I'm probably the intro, right? Yeah, yeah. I ain't gonna do it. Why? <laughs> I ain't gonna do well, it. What was it though? I actually woke up. I woke up yesterday morning because I thought we were gonna do the podcast yesterday. And I was like, man, I was half asleep. I was like, thank you for tuning in to the Bridging the Gap podcast. And I was like, yo, you are not Arsenio Hall. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, I was, I mean, we got to have something, right? I know, we do, we do, we do. Yeah. But, you know, it's a work in progress, right? We're hoopers. But uh, this is the Bridging the Gap podcast. Um, I'm here with my OG, my co-host. Um, some call him Coach. I call him Park on some days. Today, he's angry, man. Um, but Coach Julian King. And I'm your other host, Ryan Yates. And we got our guy, Ethan, here on the back. Making sure I don't mess up the sound or anything. How are you feeling, Coach? I'm feeling real good. Anytime I get a chance to do something with two uh, young bucks that I like being around, that I allow to be in my presence, it's always a good feeling. See, you know, you started that off real nice. I was like, okay, you're giving me the PC, the, <laughs> the PC introduction. That's cool, but it's starting to get right to your same old, same old. Well, for those of you who aren't familiar with us, and probably most of you aren't, um, Coach King. That's my my OG, my old head, you know, for, um, we're here, we're, we're in Dubai right now, but we're from the States. So all of our UAE listeners, when we refer to somebody as our OG or our old head, that's a sign of respect. Um, you know, that's something that, that comes with, with wisdom and experience. And um, Coach and I, we've been going at it for what, I don't want to say the exact number of years, <laughs> you know, it's been a while, but it's it's been over a decade. He was my high school coach. Um, he actually coached my younger brother in high school too. Shout out to Jameson. And he, uh, he's been a part of our family ever since. Um, so even through college, since my college graduation, always been there. Um, and now we are both here in Dubai building a business, but we'll get to more of that later. Um, coach, man, over a decade, right? It's a long time, man. Yeah. It's a long time. Seems... Seems longer than um, uh, the 13, 14 years, but... Uh, I thought we weren't going to put numbers out there. Hey, man, man listen, I'm, <laughs> you know, you get my age, you no longer worry about your age. You know, you just think of it as a, a gracious <laughs> period of time that, you know, you made it this far. So, hey, I'm happy to be here with you. Yeah, that's true. And again, we still get used to this introduction stuff. So let me just remind you guys are tuned in to the Bridging the Gap podcast. It's the tale of two generations. Um, I'm here. We started this podcast so that we can kind of bridge that gap between the older generation and the younger. There's been a gap between the communication and there's so many misconceptions about, you know, what the younger generation does and how we're unappreciative and our view on basketball. You know, we, we don't believe anything that happened with Will Chamberlain. I think he has <laughs> the biggest urban legend of all, but you know, Coach King got the perspective of, of all those things. We're going to talk basketball. We're going to talk life and everything. Um, but before we dig into that, you know, let's let's introduce us personally. I am from Alexandria, Virginia. You know, proud of it. ABA. Um, I went to T.C. Williams High School. Any of you movie buffs out there, that's the remember the Titans movie, you know. Um, ironically, our football team wasn't the big men on campus. It was us, the basketball guys, um, won a state championship, won a couple games down there. And that 
is probably where this podcast starts, right? Right, yep. right there at TC 2008. Um, you know, I'm a sophomore in high school, and coach comes in, and, and he becomes part of our coaching staff. And then that goes later into him being a head coach, and then our relationship forms from there. But um, I, got a, I got some basketball experience myself. I played at uh, Eastern Mennonite University, did okay there. Um, went to undergrad and graduate school there. But we'll get into all that stuff later. Check those, throw us your stuff, J, JK. You know. <laughs> I like how you use this platform to call me by my name as if you're one of my peers. You're, you're still younger than me, Yates. Um, <laughs> um, Coach Julian King, um, um, originally from uh, middle Georgia, um, was a military kid um, early on. And um, of course, we moved around a lot in, in the United States, outside the U.S., and um, but we settled in Georgia as our hometown, um, home air, home state, so to speak. And um, from there, you know, got a chance to uh, um, go to Dodge County High School, be on a pretty good basketball team from there. Uh, get a chance to go to Temple University um, on scholarship um, with the OG guy. Team. Yes, yes, man. Yeah, Play we'll save those stories. <laughs> Played for a um, Hall of Fame coach by the name of John Cheney, um, and played with some great. Uh, players, college players, and future NBA um, All-Stars. Um, went on to uh, finish my college career at Coppin State in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, had a really good run there um, on some NCAA tournament teams. And, and then after that, I was blessed by the grace of God to, uh, to play 10 years professionally uh, um, overseas. And so um, now I'm back overseas with uh, one, of my, one of my favorite high school players of all time. Now I can finally say that. And uh, without him getting the big head, but uh, so I'm back here trying to do something else with uh, Coach Ryan. Don't worry, we, we'll come back to all that. We'll we'll have episodes where we get deeper into our basketball um, past and and what makes us, you know, qualified for people to actually listen to us. Um, but before then, let's get to what's really buzzing on people. People back home. Um, the point of this podcast kind of is for us to kind of have an outlet to get some stuff off our chest. We're here in Dubai, right? 15 hours away from what we call home, right? Maybe 12 hours if the, the uh, pilot on Emirates plane is going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I know I got here at 12, but we're here in Dubai and and that's in the United Arab Emirates. I said that right, right? All right, make sure. I'm still trying to make sure I don't sound too too Western. You know, <laughs> make sure you respect it. Um, let, me, let me make sure I say it is beautiful. It is, um, it is an amazing place, hospitable, um, a lot of great things going on here. But we're here, and we're working on building a basketball brand um, called Hoop Mountain Dubai. Originally started in, in Boston, franchised out internationally to Kuwait, and we're here, you know, making it happen in Dubai. Um, from that experience of building a business internationally, and being 15 hours away from home to where we can't call anybody and kind of like vent to them like, man, this is this is crazy. Like, you know, international business is different when you're used to free enterprise capitalism. Right. So we're here to where we're kind of getting a chance to talk about everything that we talk about during the week with just each other and kind of share it on a podcast so our family can hear it at home. I know I've been telling everybody for the past year we've been been here officially a year. It was um. I got here September 28th, 30th, and the business was officially started October 17th of last year. And you were here in August, a month before me. We've been here officially a year. 
it's been the the craziest year for the entire world. But even crazier when you experience that overseas, right? So now we're here. You guys are going to hear all the arguments that we have about basketball, all the arguments we have about music. Uh, this arguments, period, right? That you don't necessarily see when the older generation gets in with the young OGs. But um, we're going to get into that now. And, you know, when I was telling OG that we were going to do the podcast, he was like, listen, man, don't have me bojangling, jumping around. <laughs> crazy. I'm like, no, it's not that. You know, I want to shout out. Um, I'm, I'm here because of Joe Button's podcast, Players Tribune, um, Knuckleheads. You know, I love Q Rich, D Miles, watching those guys and all the smoke and everything. So, you know, watching them got us here. And that, and those guys could help me convince the OG that, okay, that's cool. We can do this, you know. So, how are you feeling over there? You ready? You still, you still locked in? I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. All right. So, let's just, let's just bring it back to, um, you know me. I got my Kobe shirt on right now. You know, rest in peace to the Mamba. Um, rest in peace, Gigi. And everyone that was a part of that, um, Lakers, Lake Show. You know, I'm gonna let you lead this one off because you know I I could talk about the Lakers forever. I think I might have been. I think my mom told me I was born and my blood was purple and yellow. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we talking about the the Lakers coming back to prominence now. I mean, this is something that um, even if you're not a Lakers fan, but you're just a true historian of the game this is something that's got to feel good um, to you just because um you're so used to seeing them being on top with the, with the great players and uh you know they had a little they had a rough patch there for a few years and now they are they're back on top um within you know a quick one two year period and so uh it's it's just great you know being my age and getting a chance to see the turnaround um you know and and in the fact that um, the late, great Kobe Bryant uh, had an untimely death this year. I mean, this makes, you know, this makes this championship that much more special because, um, you know, they did it for him. It's it's beautiful, man. Like, first of all, that's 17. So, you know, I hate Boston, right? Like, when we get into the story about how I got here and I had to make that trip to Boston, I despised every hour of that trip, right? hate Boston. So now that we tied up with Boston with 17 and the 17th one is in, you know, um, is dedicated to being, um, for me as a Lakers fan, I'm true blue Lakers fan. Like, you know, that since the day that you met me and, you know, everybody that's listening that's familiar with us know, you know, it's Kobe ride or die. Right. I'm taking Kobe over Jordan. I'm taking Kobe over everybody. Right. So, Watching, we had to go through, first of all, it was tough for me watching Kobe when we had to go through the Jumaine Jones era, the Smush Parker era, like, you know, the, the uh, Redmanovich, all those different guys on the team and having watched Kobe go through that. And we just, you know, keep riding, keep riding. Rudy T as a coach, Byron Scott, Mike Brown, like going through it, right? And now, you know, watching Kobe celebrate and get those two Finals MVPs and those two over in Boston and Orlando. That was beautiful, right? But that tail end when he when he tore his Achilles, and then we had to go through the Julius Randle, Lonzo Ball, D'Lo snitching and all that stuff. That was hard, you know. Magic Johnson and 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 the debacle that was going on in the front office with the emails and and we all know like 
But some people having Magic being a part of that um, front office, people thought like he was going to do work. But real ballers, real people who follow the game knew Magic makes too much money on the offseason to be worried about the daily duties of being a GM, right? So when that fell, fell through, I was like, man, Palinka, Palinka gets caught talking too much, making up lies on things. We just looking crazy all over the place. Braun gets hurt, the growing injury. I'm in the back crying like, man, what are we going to do? <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, Magic, Magic is such a great player. Like all great players that have trouble coaching, or either being um, solid in the uh, front office because it's a day-to-day grind. And those guys don't have patience for everything, you know, because they're so used to doing it at a high clip and um, it's, it comes natural to them. So, yeah, Magic wasn't going to be around. He was, Magic, he did what he was supposed to do. He's the figurehead. He's the guy that helps recruit free agents. And, um, you know, you guys got to handle the rest. Yeah, for sure. And we, and we got it. Um, big shout-out to Braun. Big shout out to Brian. Now, years seventeen, really like in the middle of eighteen, because of what everything's going on, and he's putting up numbers to where he's what leading the league in assists. You know what I'm saying? Average twenty eight, twenty nine, high clip, about fifty percent from the field. You know, he's just managing a group of guys, and everybody on our Lakers team was on a one year deal, pretty much, right? Nobody on this team, it'll be a, a, maybe two or three that have returned and be back, right? And he'll have a whole new group of guys. And he did it. Like, he was the best player in the league all year, right? Giannis got the MVP. Cool. I get it. You know, we'll talk about that next. But Braun was the best player in the league, you know. But, you know, again, at, at this age, Braun is kind of in that space where MJ was, where you could have given him the MVP every year, right? But some things... You just can't because you right? somebody's got to carry the torch after he's gone, you know, so. But but when you talk about the performance he had and you brought it up to me about um, I, and I'll let you talk about how tough it is to make sure that as a leader during a quarantine, when you offer basketball three months and you make sure that your team, even though everybody is away, is ready to get back when it comes to the bubble and they're all focused on that. Yeah, um, you know. You mentioned LeBron being um, the best player in the league. I say Giannis won the championship. He was probably the best physical player in the league in terms of everything he could do. LeBron was the most valuable player. He, he's, not, he's not showing great leadership with the Lakers. They're not winning the championship just because, uh, to, you know, to the point you just brought up about keeping everybody focused and ready to go. I mean – you got guys who've been in the league, you know, 10, 12 years already, and they, they've they been stars in their own right. And in order to get them to buy in, you got to be a special person and you got to lead by example. And um, for them to um, probably go against, you know, quarantine rules sometimes, but to do things together as a team to prepare for this moment because they didn't know if they were going to have a season or not. So if they were going to start playing again, got to make the most of it. And um, you mentioned the guys being on one-year deals. This could be it. This could be, you know, this could be your last chance at a ring. So you got to make the most of it. And um, to do what they did in terms of everybody just coming together, coaching staff, um, new players, to win it. And um, to win it convincingly, too. Listen, listen. I was, 
I love social media. You know, I send you Instagram stuff all the time. I hey, just so everybody knows, I had to create an Instagram for coach <laughs> just so he could stay on. You know, he one of those. He kind of like my mom. My mom may be one of the only uh, old heads who don't have Facebook, <laughs> and she refused to get it. She's like, I don't want nobody. She's smart. She's Listen, smart, that's, man. That's, that's that's Mom Dukes though. Shout out to Mom. So King was the same way. He might got he might got Facebook and probably have one pick from like two thousand seven on there. And that's it, just so you can check in on people. So I told him, I was like, we got to get Instagram. Now he on it. He's sending me stuff all day. So I remember showing him, cause shout out to KCP, because KCP did play well. But, you know, ever since KCP played that one game as a Laker with the ankle monitor on his leg, I just didn't feel right. As a true blood Laker fan, I was like, man, this is what my team has come to. I'm talking about I'm growing up with the Robert Ory, uh, top of the key three-pointer against the Kings, Derek Fisher, point four against the Spurs, Kobe being Kobe, Kobe and Shaq era. And then I got to also watch a player come from a halfway house and go into the game with an ankle monitor and play. Like, you know, it hurt me, right? But no, I see what you about. But to look, do. What on, you look what you're doing. Look at you. You assassinate this man's character because what? he had an ankle monitor on. But you young guys always talk about keeping it real. He's keeping it real, so he everybody knows what his situation is. He don't care. Yeah, the ankle monitor's above the NBA socks. I'm hooping. What? I'm in the league. So you, you know what I'm saying? At least he ain't hiding it from me. And we find out ten years later that he was under house arrest. No, he kept it real. Y'all should give him respect for that. Man, get out of here. Get out of here. So did y'all call it keeping it real too when in that original NBA before David Stern got there when the OGs used to be cranking a brewer at halftime? Is that keeping it real? Well, those were things in terms that would be affecting the youth. You're supposed to be some some sort of role model when you put that uniform on. But we're talking about KCP going through the legal system, yeah. rendering judgment, and he he's dealing with it. Yeah. So, so he let him play, man. No, listen, You're just mad because he did it with your team. If he had, yeah. he's a champion, he's now, a champ. and he played so well. I give, I give him, I give him love now. He's a champ, right? But what I'll say is, looking at that roster, right? You know, shout out to AD, shout out to Bron for leading the way. Shout out to Rondo as well, Rondo. And um, you know, for me, watching the beginning, while wow, it's back to my social media point from the beginning, was. Watching everything, because we struggled in the bubble at the beginning, right? We struggled. And for me, that's one thing that's always been a, um, a little bit of annoying about LeBron for me as a Kobe fan was that I know when he's just taking stuff off, right? When he's taking games off. Like, he, I just know, like, because LeBron, he's just so methodical about everything, right? He's just like, it's okay right now. I can turn back on. I can get everybody back into this space here, but I'm chilling. So for those first eight games and we're struggling and not hitting shots and, you know, things change. Um, you know, everybody, you hear those whispers because Dame is on fire. Dame is cooking. Some people are saying, I don't know, they get rockets in the second round. They're going to be in trouble. You know, and then Dame gave us, they gave us a little scare there. And the, the whole beginning of that, that um, playoff thing is, oh, I don't know if the Lakers going to make it past the Blazers. I don't know if they're going to do this. I don't know if we're going to do that. And then, you know, you got Denver doing what they do, come back down 3-1 twice. They're like, man, they got, they're too gritty. But what happens? We... Go through, sleep through all of them. We beat the Miami Heat. And shout out to Jimmy Butler and those guys there. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. This was an audition year, right? This is to let every superstar that's available. Miami is a place to be. We're just one piece away, right? They did that, right? But now we win. 
right? And everyone wants to denounce the, the path that we had, right? They want to take it away. So it wasn't that tough. It wasn't that hard. Just a couple of months ago, you were saying, there's no way Dave is going to light up Rondo and KCP, which he, and Caruso, which, you know, he might have. But from what I was being told, what I was saying, Vogel had a great game plan. Vogel had a this is This is one reason why I'm glad you allowed me to join this podcast. So we can talk about um, the realness of what's being presented to the sports world. If you were a casual fan, yeah, you might think that the Lakers were in trouble those first couple of rounds. But if you're a true blue basketball fan, you know they would be fine. Just too much size, too much athleticism, too much skill, too much experience. And they got AD. There's no answer for him in the league whatsoever. And then even LeBron in year 17, there's still almost no answer for him. The only answer for him probably is healing up in Brooklyn right now. So he had a year to get ready for that. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so, you know, everybody's got to have some talking points, you know, instead of instead of kind of keeping it real, as we we say uh, in terms of just saying, yeah, Portland might give them a scare. They're not beating them. And as much as I love Dame Dollar, but they just don't have enough. And, um, you know, for anybody trying to discredit the Lakers for winning the championship, I mean, you can't contradict yourself. You know, it's one one week. It is difficult. Next week they were supposed to win. So they did what they were supposed to do. They took care of business. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at that Laker roster. Right. Because, you know, I'm looking at everything. I told you the other day, I think Bron got five, five more seasons in him. Right. Five to six more seasons. Right. And and I'm talking about five to six more seasons at a high clip, average leading the league in assists and still giving me 25 points. If he was a better free throw shooter, if he was a more consistent free throw shooter, I think Bron could easily average 28 and 10 for the rest of his career to assist, right? I think so. And that's just because of his, his control with the ball, how smart he is, but he don't shoot free throws that well. But the reason why I say that 25 and 10, that he should be able to average that the next five years and still be at a high clip, it's because of that man, that man, the brow. Now, we've all said, um, I've had some people send me some stuff about AD and KG and Tim Duncan and, and that type of comparison. I will say that um, I won't put him in that conversation just yet. Not not because of talent-wise, but, you know, you just like to give people that time to build up to that because KG and Tim Duncan respectively held it down for years, Right. But AD has three, four more tiers to jump to, right? Like he's special, special. Guarding one through five. One through five. And I'm not talking that, that old age one through five to where your, your guard can't really dribble off the bounce that much. You know, they kind of restrict it. But he one through five. He step out there on, on, on Dane. He's on an island. One through five effectively scoring at every tier. Three ball, off the dribble in the mid-range, mid-post, low-post. Pick and roll, run to the rim, you know what I'm saying? Move quick. He can get it off the board and take it down if you want him to. He's gonna be the he's gonna be, he probably should have won defensive player of the year, too, right? Because as even though the Greek won it, right? He won it, right? But when you talk about the Greek and his defensive prowess, it's mainly on on blocks and his paint presence, right? And that's more so on the help defensive side, right? Not necessarily on the ball. You don't see him laterally moving. He don't move the puppy side to side 
like AD does, right? AD, you really have to game plan for him different. I heard Draymond say that you have to be more aware of where AD is on the court than anybody else, right? And with that being said, he still got somewhere to go. So if AD is taking in that challenge, what I think he is, and jumps into a MVP caliber guy to where he gets into the conversation of only um, of Kate. Right now, I only put two people in the best in the world conversation, and that's KD and Bron. Then I would say that, you know, AD is there to where AD will give Bron a few more years on his career if he does, goes out and does what he was supposed to do. I, I think this this championship run um, could propel him in, into a level that um, no one even thought he, he's capable of doing. I mean, he could actually – he's something we haven't seen before anyway, and he could be even that much better because, you know, what you just talked about in terms of his defensive prowess, I mean, he's not only wiping it off the glass, he's guarding you off the bounce, pick and roll, um, and the you know in this this era of point guards, there's probably this is probably the most depth that the NBA has had at the point guard position in terms of guys who can not only distribute the ball but also score the ball. So any night um, he's out there and they're do, they're running switches. Um, you know it's a tough night, but he makes it seem like it's 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 easy. So that's kind of scary because he. He's a guy that, you know, he's been labeled as a little uh, injury prone, been labeled as a little soft sometimes, but. Call, he definitely called him uh, Yeah, I've, I've said that a few times. Yeah, just because, you know, when you see greatness in somebody one time, you expect it all the time. And that's not a knock against them. That's a compliment. And so I think he's going to be up to the challenge uh, from now on. And, you know, with LeBron being there, knowing that the role's got to change from AD being B and now going to A and LeBron going from A to B. I think he's gonna um, he's gonna make sure that AD stays on, on on top of his game. That's true. That's true. All right. So you Palenka, you're Rob Palenka, right? Let's say you got a. I think the only person that's coming back. Well, let's just say the only two people you know coming back for sure are Bron and AD, right? I think we got. I think we got repeat in our in our path. I think that's for sure. But who do you bring around? Who do you keep from? Who do you keep from this mob? And then, what type of players do you bring in? Talk to me. Talk to me. No, you got to try to get CP. Talk to me. I know CP takes a lot of heat, but man, he's one of the best to ever do it, and this man deserves a shot at the championship. Best ever, right? They what? What Chuck say? Best leader in the game. We need CP three. All right, so we got. So right there, we got CP3, we got Braun, we got AD, right? Who, who else are we bringing in? Oh, let, before we talk about, let's let's make it a little simpler by saying who do we keep off the oh, bat? Yeah, what do you got? Because you got? I think you got to keep a couple of those young guys because I know who you, you know. First of all, shout out to Quinn Cook. Yeah, Quinn, home, you got to keep him. That's the homie. That's the hometown home. He used to play for Jim Pride back in the day. Some of you may not know that's a little gem, but he used to play for Jim Pride. He was on a younger age group. I was on the older. Quinn was always that nice, always a dog. So I definitely want to see him win. So we got to keep Quinn. Let's keep let's keep QC. You got to keep him. You know, he's a guy. You know, he's 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 improved his game each year. Um, he's one of the even when he's not playing, he's one of the most vocal guys on the team. He's always positive. And he just deserves a shot to remain with them. Um, you know, I love Caruso. 
You know, I love his versatility. You love Caruso, man. man. Y'all got the same hair. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little more hair than Caruso, you that's know. Oh, um, <laughs> he's like he's one of the um, only white guys I know that hoops and got a, a headband on. So you know, he's taking it back to the old ABA days. But what are we gonna do about KCP? Now he he earned the right to stay, and I know you're sitting here. You're going back to the ankle monitor situation, but he proved his worth. All right, let me say this. I appreciate KCP because I appreciate resilience, right? He fought. He fought and he fought. And I know, I remember earlier in the year, Lakers fans was like signing petitions and stuff to get him out. So I respect I respect the game. You know, sometimes as a fan, you just get to the place where you just fed up. Like, yo, what are you doing, right? But he fought. He fought. And what I think KCP did was he a champ now. So on the market, you need a champ that's three and D. Three ball. Play good defense. So when he goes and gets shopped around elsewhere, <laughs> you know, Rich Paul, Rich Paul will get him a nice bag somewhere. Like, um, I think it may be tough, but I think he at that point to where, like, Trevor Ariza was. Because Trevor Ariza is one of my favorite Lakers ever, right? Him, Lamar Odom, Shannon Brown, those type of guys. So I think he's at that point to where he got a ring now. So let's go get paid, right? And there's some people out there that play. You know, the Wizards always pay. <laughs> shout, out to, hey, look, shout out to my guy, BG, at home. He's a, a, a lifelong Wizards fan. I've been telling him for years, go ahead and jump off the bandwagon. Get somewhere else. It's okay. You know, we got room elsewhere. Don't do this to yourself. He's there. But the Wizards are taking him. And KCP in. They don't have a wing. They don't have an extra guard on the side to give Bill and, and Wall a little break. Well, since you're throwing out shout outs to people back home who are Wizards fans, let me throw out somebody who's a Wizards fan at the beginning of each season and then toward the middle of the season, they want to jump off the bandwagon. But then the next year, they back on. Kimbrough Kelly, Coppin State alumni. Yeah. The, yes, the Wizards will definitely pay KCP that bad. <laughs> and then you'll be upset in three months. Right. Oh. Yeah, so KCP gone. gone. Okay. Right. KCP gone. You'd you like to keep Dwight Howard. Yeah, but right. but you you know you mentioned this the other day that yeah someone's probably gonna give him a bag you know yeah, and he's yeah, at the end he's a ch- champion now so he's got to go get it. Oh, you, oh, you said Dwight got, Dwight got what thirteen kids? Yeah, he's got yeah, a lot. Like <laughs> Something like that. That we know of. That we know of. I think Shaq was showing throwing a little shot at him too. Shaq was like you know some people cheering like they they were a part of that victory, but you know, but Dwight Dwight did his thing and you know for me Dwight one of those dudes who I never wanted to see in a Lakers jersey again, right? We had we had Nash, who I knew was injury-ridden at that time, but we had Kobe, and I think we might have still had Powell, too, and we had Dwight, right? Dwight came in there. He wanted to be a goofball, make, you know, do all that extra stuff, but wasn't really trying to do what it takes to win. But he bounced back, so I give him that respect. And you know it's tough as a basketball player to have to change your role in the middle of your career. And I'm talking about as a guy who was just, you know, a, a big piece in some smaller programs, but as an NBA All-Star MVP candidate and Hall of Famer, to have to become a role player, not play for an entire series and do that, I give you respect, man. You got your ring. To his, his defense, when he first came to L.A., you're coming from, even though you were successful in Orlando, you were the big fish in a small pond. You come to LA, you gotta you gotta fit in with Kobe in a in a in an organization that's used to winning. They're used to excellence. And so he was too immature at that time. You know, you remember he's coming coming straight out of high school and 
and things like that. So, you know, now he's at the tail end of his career. Um, you know, he comes into another situation with the Lakers where they demand excellence and Kobe's no longer there, but now he's got LeBron, Rondo and those guys. So, um, you know, yeah, he's supposed to, you know, get in he's there and do his thing. He's, yeah, he's going to get his money. So. Yeah. so, so that means he's gone, right? So do we keep JaVale? If Dwight is gone, you got to keep JaVale. All right. You know who I think we bring in? Cousins, Boogie. 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 Yes. When we get to pair Boogie with with uh, AD, nasty. You saw what happened when that was in New Orleans before. Like, that's nasty. And people don't – some people may be like, he's not going to be able to recover from that injury. Um, you know, I, I, I'm always weary of those workout videos that float around on, on social media. But it, Boogie had time to really recover and get healthy fully all the way. Right. And he looks good. Right. And on top of that, he's not a guy whose game is is based all on athleticism. Like Boogie's a bully. Straight Bama ball, Alabama bred, pushing, knocking him out the way. Great footwork. He can pass from there and he just go bully. I was just about to say that he's he's never going to come in and be a leaper and all that stuff anyway. He's just going fundamental, be fundamentally sound a marksman from certain distances yeah. and he's a smart ball player. I mean, so that's, that's the perfect compliment to AD to give AD space to just, to do whatever he wants to do and terrorize people. So no, I think that's going to be, uh, that would actually be the best pickup in the league right there because he, he had a year to recover fully and then yeah. no games. And we, and we still, and we still let him use the facilities and all that too. So as we stand, right, we got, you know, AD Braun, CP3, Quinn Cook, Alex Caruso, JaVale McGee, and we got uh, Boogie, right? So we got five spots. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Five spots. I'm saying bye-bye to Danny Green. Yeah. Sorry, Danny. Yeah, yeah Danny, Danny, you got to go. And, you know, he's a UNC alum. So, you know, I, I remember and I appreciate him. But, Danny, you got to go. You got to get out of there. So saying bye to Danny Green. Um, For those of you out there that are thinking we're saying bye Danny Green because it's pressure from the media, uh, social media, whatever, in terms of him missing those shots. No, it's because Danny Green is getting a little long in the tooth. He's no longer the defender <laughs> that he was. And, and I can't slide him. And, you know, if you watch Danny for real, Danny is pretty stiff up there. You know, we talk about being like a fluent player. And sometimes we we base, um, you know, how good you are based on how well you can also move, right? Because that gives you a little bit of a different um, toolbox, so to speak. So Danny got to go, right? And so I like Markeith. I like Markeith a lot, right? But – if Marquis, because Marquis gonna go get paid. Marquis gonna go get paid, right? So that's a stretch four. That's a guy who you know you can toss it to him on a pick and pop and all those other things. You know who I'm thinking should fill that gap? Who's that? Come on, man, Banana Boat. <laughs> Mello. Yes. yes. Come talk to me, Mello. Come on, come get your ring. You deserve it, because Mello, Mello in that category, category like AI for me, right? He a hood favorite. He done a lot for us. And I think Melo, from the very beginning, from his rookie year, always had a certain narrative wrapped around him that wasn't deserving, right? And we've seen that play out later in his career. The Knicks did him dirty with a terrible organization, and he gave them all that he could. The Rockets situation, OKC, and then you see how he bounced back here. But he deserves that ring for sure. One of the greatest scores ever, ever, right? 
I think we I think we go for him. Uh, this year guy, Mr. Michigan. Coos. Coos Bania. What we do? So you gotta you gotta package him up. It's time to get him up out of there. Yeah, he he's he played his role. Could have played it a little bit better, but but Coos in his mind, he's thinking back to the year he averaged like 18. So he needs to go somewhere because he's still young to see if he can really carry a team um, as he thinks he can. So I think this getting with being with an older mob for another year and trying to make championship run and having to sacrifice so much, I don't think that's something that fits into his his scheme of things. Let's be honest, though. Can Coos really be that? Because let me tell you the truth. Right. And I and I think Hoopers will understand this when I say this, but I don't like the way he moves. Like his his right to left crossover is between the legs, whatever. His any move, any floater he shoot, any shot, it just looked like like slow down, champ. Like, you okay? You find it? Man, I, he don't have no rhythm, right? You know how we I always tell the kids that basketball is art, right? Cause you get to paint your own canvas. And you are your own toothbrush, right? So you go to your own rhythm. I'm looking at Coos and I'm like, gee, what's up, man? <laughs> it's he's still young, man. Yo, no, he's not, man. Stop that young stuff. Coos, like, what, 26, 25? I'm talking about years in the league, though. Yeah, but he's been hooping for a minute, though. Even even if you even if he's not in the league, you still got a little something, right? John Young, John Moran. It's be special. He's special. He's special. No, no, let's put it in simpler terms for so the people back home that know you and know me know what I'm talking about when I say this. There's still guys that you played with now that have been playing for many, many years, and they still play erratically. Okay. So, okay. I'm not, yo, I'm not giving any names. No, of course not. Popped up. I got you. All right, cool's gone. Cool's gone. Philly cheese. Philly cheese. Got to keep waiting. Keep keep them. Instant offense. My man said he TP. Total pack. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we keep them there. So, I, pretty much, I think we just need to bring in I don't think Rondo's going to come back. I think Rondo's going to go get her back somewhere or, or try to do some things somewhere else. I hope he stays. But if not, we need to bring in – if we bring CP3 in, we just need to bring in another shooter. Joe Harris is on the market. Um, we got – was it Bogdan from Sac- uh, Sacramento is on the market. He might be expensive, but we got that uh, the three-point um, shootout guy from from Washington. Um, Batron, I believe. He's on the market. You know, you want to come and Gallinari's on the market. Like, there's some guys out there um, we can go ahead and get that with. Um, you know, I, Justin Holiday is a nice little wing out of there. So, I think we get that. I'm calling it now. Back-to-back, repeat. We're getting it. You know, it's Lake Show. So, what about the NBA, though, King? What do you think? How do you think the NBA evolves? Like, what's the next that we've watched the game change, but, you know, and inevitably it has to change again, right? It's going to be a new face, hopefully. It's going to be something new, but where does that new change? What, what always helps the NBA when it's having a little lull is when there's an opportunity for some young stars to get together in a smaller market. You know, if you think back to the Jordan years, there was always a threat sometimes from some of the smaller teams, but they had great talent. Like you think about that Charlotte Hornets organization, you know, they had Morning, you know, they had Grandmama, you know, Muggsy. I mean, you know, they had 
Dale Curry was on that team. And was Wesley on that team? Wesley? Oh, I can't remember. But, no, maybe not. But but they had, you know, you know, the Heat were just starting then. Um, you know, with Ronnie Cycli, Steve Smith and those guys. Um, you know, so you you gotta have some of the smaller markets ownership do the right thing, you know, pay the money and and do what's necessary to get some of the better younger players together so they can compete with the um the larger markets because we are now we got the Lakers back on top. The Celtics are in the mix. Yeah. We see the heat is there. Um I mean even the Clippers, <laughs> even the Clippers are coming out, you know, and so it's got to be some of the smaller markets to to spread spread the wealth in terms of popularity around the NBA. Who do you see though? So I know there are a couple I, instantly I think New Orleans, Memphis, yeah. right? And in Phoenix for me. Right. So what do you what do you think? Who do you think is that those um those smaller market teams are looking Well, you know, you those three for sure and then we got to put Denver in there. Yeah. I mean, Denver is right there. They're, you know, one piece away from making a move. I can't lie to you about Denver though. I don't I don't like the way they treat Melo. So I got a little personal issue with them, but you know, you're right. They they do have a little something. You know, unfortunately, that has nothing to do with the current players, but that's just management yeah. being yeah. petty. Um, you would like to think that Minnesota would be there. They have some pieces, but oh, oh. <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, I'm a. Although he was immature and did some wild things, I'm a big D'Lo fan. I, I like I like the way D'Lo boogie a big guard, big guard. He's shifty. He one of those that's really, really skilled, right? He gets to his pace. He only plays at his pace and nobody else's. We should he should get there. But that organization, and I and I credit you for kind of opening my eyes to like how those organizations have had long histories of being ran terribly. So now you're kind of seeing how that stuff go. But but Minnesota got a chance though. They do have a chance. They got uh, I think they got Malik Beasley over there too. Um you know, you're, you know, you're one of your favorite players um, in Chicago. You know, they have a chance to assemble some some good young talent. But uh, get- oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, Zach Levine. Yeah. I just want I just want to hear you say on podcast what you said about Zach Levine. Because I said Zach Levine, and this is something that I, me and my guys always talked about, how coming out of college when he came out same year as Wiggins, just looking at the two, I don't know what the scouts are doing or what they think sometimes, but just looking at the two and just the way the toolbox is set up, Wiggins and, and it wasn't even close. Like Wiggins is nowhere near the type True. of player dynamic as Levine is, right? And I think we see that right now because Levine putting up numbers, athleticism crazy, and he has a long way to go. I think he's on that verge of, of being in that third tier of all-star talent. And potentially superstar. I've never look all the talks we've had about him. I've never knocked him. I just gave you my opinion on him in terms of him taking that next step and being one of the league superstars. That's all. But can you talk about the way somebody moves? We were talking about this early in the year, and it was old school versus new school. Hold on, hold on. Hold and on. yes, it, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But let's let's keep let's get how does the NBA evolve? Because we're gonna get to that. So you said in the small markets, right? You know what I think too is the coaching, and and then um, the coaching in the front office the way things are managed, right? You know, I was watching Earl Watson and Gilbert talk about you know how things have to change because um, 
a lot of the coaches aren't former players, right? I'm not saying that they always have to be, but it's it's different when you're teaching somebody from a perspective that you are familiar with, right? The little ins and outs of being a player, understanding momentum, ha- understanding how to see angles different. Because, you know, as a player, you see the game in between the lines, not from the sideline, right? It's a different field of time management. It's a different way. It's not black and white. Like a lot of coaches make it right. And from grassroots level to high school up, a lot of coaches put the shackles on us. Right. They limit us to different ways. Right. So I think in the NBA, you still see that like that new hire with Stan Van Gunny and um, in, in New Orleans. I don't like it. Right. You know, some new and old you can mix together like Monty Williams and Phoenix and things like that. But I think Stan Van Gunny is a black and white type of guy. Right. So that limits Brandon Ingram. That limits Lonzo Ball and all those other guys. I think what takes basketball to the next level in the NBA is when more of those qualified players who can go in the front office and do what James Jones does, you know, and go on the sidelines like Ty Lue, you know, what Doc Rivers did, and and make that change there. Because that's a whole different way of talking basketball, right? Like, I remember playing for you in just high school, right? I remember – one game my junior year, and we're playing, and um, EJ is we're, we're he in the battle for um, player of the year in the region, right? And we're playing at South County, and you like you got to go for forty tonight. I think he had had like twenty six at that time when you told him that, and you was like, no, you're gonna stay in because you got to get this forty piece right here, right? You putting him in there, you letting him go and get his things done, and it's kind of like pushing him to another space to where it's like. All coaches don't recognize that. They don't recognize how important those type of moments are to players. And then when they lock in on that, it's like, okay, now I can even trust him even more because he also understands both sides of what I got to do personally as a player so that I can stay engaged and stay competitive. And then I can trust him on the back end. But I want to see I want to see their coaching and their front office thing change up a little bit, right? Well, that's a part of the, the smaller markets, you know, being relevant. Yeah. You know, like not looking at it as just um, the bottom line of, of, you know, revenue for the business, but also, you know, building, the, you know, expanding the game. <clears throat> you know, we we talked about this, you know, the other day, coaches, yep, coaches, um, you know, coming into the league, you know, we need we need some new blood sometimes. We've been recycling guys over, you know, if you've coached two or three different teams and you didn't get a chance to finish the contract all the way through. I mean, it, it's probably time for someone else to get a chance at that, you know, and, um, and, and too often we do, we do recycle the same coaches and get the same results. Um, you know, and we hope that this, the second or third time around for these coaches, they bring in some younger coaches on their staff that can relate to the players a little bit better. Okay. Well, uh, in terms of Indiana, you know, what was the big question? Is is Victor Oladipo going to stay or is he going to go? Well, what is he supposed to do in terms of his career? It's the, it's the best thing that um, uh, for him is in terms of putting himself in the best situation. I thought they I thought Nate McMillan did a great job this year, you know, and there was talk, you know, a couple times here and there that, you know, he might be coach of the year candidate, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, they get rid of him and then bring somebody new in. And I'm thinking like, what kind, what is that showing your star players on the team? That's crazy too. Nate 
Nate's been one of the best coaches in the league for a long time. You know, Coach McMillan led the Portland Trailblazers through some great playoff runs. You know, he had a solid team there. He's making things. You know, Victor Oladipo was done, right? You making a playoff team out there. You got uh, Malcolm Brogdon got a couple injuries. Like, you know, Sabonis was done. And he's making it work with those guys. It's it's interesting to see that, though, because there's always a, a shorter leash on, you know, African-American coach, black coaches, right? So, you know, you've seen those things with Dwayne Casey, you know, Lionel Hollins, Mark Jackson, you know, those things, you know, it's just a little disappointing. And all of those guys are, are former players, <laughs> ironically, right? Those are guys who played and, you know, were clearly great options as coaches. Now, I have no idea how to even say the name of this, this Pacers coach, but as you say, the Pacers are an organization that that strikes you as a team that's willing to do what it takes to win a ring, right? They just want to stay afloat. I think it's just and it's and it's bad because Indiana is one of those what's what's this guy's name? Nate uh Majork Green? Yeah, I butchered that. Yeah, I'm, I'm coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, coach. What's up, coach? Coach. But but Indiana is a great basketball state, right? Like. That's one of those, you know, the Hoosiers, which I think is, I appreciate the movie for its, you know, nostalgia, but Hoosiers was trash. Hoosiers as a movie was weak, for real. But we'll we'll have a movie debate a little later, but Hoosiers was, was trash. But, um, you know, Indiana deserves better as far as that NBA team. You know, Indiana University, of course, still gives them some bump. Um, but they deserve better from there, like, the last time they've been really pushing was well, I give PG PG um his shout out, him and Frank Vogel, shout out to Frank Vogel, you know, NBA coach, NBA champ, you know, 2020 Lake Show. But, you know, they since then, but other than the Reggie Miller years, you really don't hear anything from them trying to win. And they should, because that would do more for basketball as well. Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a hotbed for, for high school basketball, college basketball in terms of the fans and uh and they get behind their Pacers when they're when they're playing hard and, and attempting to win. But you know, since um, you know the the end days of Larry Bird being a part of the organization, they just haven't been the same. And um, and it shows. Man, I tell you this: Larry Bird being on the sideline used to be crazy to see. I used to be crazy, but you know, the, the NBA for me, evolution comes with you know front office and that sideline. You know, when you make those changes there, then I think that takes the game to a whole nother place as well. Now let's talk about a little bit about uh, us, right? Where we at at the grassroots level, the coaching. You know, I, I tell I tell you all the time, I did not want to be here, right? I said I, I didn't plan on coaching, doing no mentoring, or none of that. Until, well, not necessarily mentoring, because I think I did that as well in college. Because even in grad school, I was student athlete, academic advisor, assistant. And I was, I had all the tough kids, right? I had the ones in the white wanted to bother. So I did some mentoring stuff then. But as far as coaching basketball, I didn't want to coach. Like, I was like, I'm not going to coach basketball until I have kids 40 years from now, right? And then, then by then, I'll be wealthy. I have what it takes, you know, in the bank to do those extra things. I know what comes with that battle. But then here you come knocking on the door, like, yo, let's go take a trip to Dubai and do something crazy. And, you know, here I am back at 
back at it doing what I said I wouldn't do. But part of the reason why I didn't want to do it was I was always kind of put off by, you know, the system. One, I don't like, um, I don't like, I don't like rules, right? I remember talking to my uncle, um, shout out to Uncle Ro, who's uh, working with the NBA Academy in, in Africa. Um, he, he, I remember him telling me coming out of grad school, I was like, maybe I want to coach. So I said, maybe I want to coach in college or maybe I want to go play overseas. And he was looking at me. He was like, man, you do not have to do any of those things, right? Like you got this, this, that in the background. He said, a lot of us, we didn't have any option when it came to, to after basketball. So we had to fall into this line, right? But with that being said, it's also those coaches that don't really understand what basketball means for guys like me or guys like you, right? Some of those, the, the grassroots, like I remember Brian talked about in one of his interviews, he mentioned recently about how his grassroots, his youth coach has instilled certain things in him that still go with him today, right? Too often now, we have coaches who don't understand what basketball really means when we talk about it being a tool for the young African-American community. Because let's be real, the most majority of basketball is what we see on TV, right? The young young guys in the inner city, young guys looking for another chance because we don't have anything else to do there that's trying to get out or something, right? But those youth coaches, they don't have any accountability or understanding of what their responsibility is to raise young men, Right to teach them outside of the game, right? And I know you told me, like, you know, this comes with a lot, right? Everybody don't everybody don't have what it takes to, to get into that, right? What you think? Yeah, I mean, it, when people, a lot of people get into coaching just thinking it's, um, it's about that time slot from when the, uh, uh, the ball is tossed up. They have no idea what it takes um, around the clock, you know, 24-7 in terms of making sure that your group of guys or young ladies um, has everything that they need to be successful. And, um, <clears throat> you know, and, and, and not only being to become better basketball players, but to become, become better students, become better people in the community and, um, you know, and have a, a, a better perspective in terms of what they need to do with the rest of their lives. And so, and then when people really get into it, um, you find out their true colors, you know, and it's not to say people get in there to just profit off of um, the young guys or, or elevate their status in terms of coaching. But some people get in there with the, with great intentions and realize that, whoa, this is just too much for me. And then they either they quit or they do, you know, half the job. When you say too much, though, really break that down to them. Because I'm only, I don't even, I don't even allow you to really call me coach. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm not even trying to take that title just yet until I do my just do. But really break down what that looks like going the extra mile. Because, I mean, I, I played for you, so I know what that looks like, you know, picking me up, doing things. Well, like really break that down to how some coaches won't do this, but it's necessary. Well, you know, some of the, the little things that people don't know about is that, especially at the grassroots level, I don't care if it's a seventh grade team, eighth grade team, high school team, or even a college team, you have to get to know each player individually. And when I mean each player individually, I mean, you got to know a little bit about their home life, their social life, their, um, how they interact with the players, you know, off the court, how they are in school. If you're not taking the time to do that, you're not doing you're doing that kid a disservice because 
Um, that kid is going to hold on to every word that you say most times and they follow your lead. And um, you, you don't know that you could be setting someone um, down the wrong path or you could be setting them on the right path just by how you approach them and nur nur uh, nurture them through you know, the younger years. But if you're not willing to take that um, extra step and, and be able to sacrifice some of your free time, then that's probably not a job. Right. And, you know, that's the that's the opposite of what we get. Right. We get a couple lawyers or something that got some extra cash on the side and they want to go into the hood and get a couple kids and be like, let's start an AU team. But some of those kids ain't ate all day. Right. So as kids, they don't know how to really explain that, but they just got attitudes or whatever and they need to eat. Right. Some of those kids are having eight or some of those kids never been talked to about, you know, proper manners or having confidence in themselves or anything like that. I mean, I know you tell me all the time what that uh, that budget looks like outside of what's there for the kids. Like you talk about what's allocated for just the team and then what you actually got to spend out of your own personal pocket. Right. Like, you know, back home before Uber was popping, you probably giving kids bus money. And dropping kids off and doing all those other things and then talking to each kid individually. And that's regardless of how good you think they can be. But just understanding that, like, this, they picked up a basketball because it was a tool for them, helped them figure something out. Right. It helped. It gave them a space to where they felt safe. And so when they're playing it, your job as an adult, because kids don't know any better. Like, and that's in college, too. Right. A lot, a lot of these college coaches, you know, they use and abuse. And that's at every level. Right. Like they see us, we get in there for years out, but they haven't helped us figure out how we're going to manage the world outside of basketball. You know, not understanding like some kids, they they go to school, but their home life is crazy. You know, some parents in and out of jail. Some parents don't have this. Some parents don't have that. But they don't care about any of that. You just better show up. Like I say this as a player. Right. I got to work out in the off season. I got to monitor my diet. I got to add a certain amount of things to my game, make sure I'm getting here. I got to make sure that I'm a pillar in the community, right? I got to make sure I'm listening here. I got to make sure my grades are on top. I got to do all these things just to be considered for some position or some stuff. But what does a coach have to do at the grassroots level for us to make sure that they're capable of handling those things, right? Do we know coaches have what it takes? Do they have the proper training to deal with kids who don't learn the same way, right? You remember in 08 when we were playing at TC, like we had talking about kids that learn different, right? Some of us, you could say a basketball play one time and we remember every position, right? Some of us, you had to put like in a coloring book, right? Some of us, and you had to do that in college too, because some people are visual learning, but some coaches are just sitting there yelling, going off the wall, and it's like, you know, we, we're all different, but do any, any coaches ever get held accountable for that? You know, like, like, how do we change that from an OG's perspective? I mean, it, it's to, to incorporate more coaches into the grassroots level that, that, are, that are more qualified, as you say, or, or guys that are willing to learn yeah. to become uh, more qualified. Because when we all start coaching, None of us, we, you don't have experience until you actually get, get a chance to do it. But you have to be open-minded and, and have a strong work ethic in terms of doing whatever it takes to become a better coach. Um, and and we, we all know, especially with today's athlete, um, and depending on what environment they're coming from, you have to be able to deal with different people and personalities. 
Um, but the number one thing I would say, and this is from experience, is that you have to have support from the community. You have to have support from the school system because that's where a lot of coaches um, have the most pressure. And that's when they, they begin to neglect the kids. And it's not on purpose. It's just something that happens because when you're dealing with the, the stress from the other adults, you sometimes take away from the, the people who need your attention the most. And if, if people stop worrying about um, wins and losses so much and or about how you're doing certain things compared to other coaches, then you can allow that coach to grow with his team um, and, and do the right thing and do what's best for those kids. And at the, the end result is going to be success if you get a chance to, you know, nurture those kids the right way. But um, a lot of, you know, you think about myself, I'm not saying I was a good coach. I just know I was really good at attempting to help the kids. Nah, yo, you got to give yourself more credit. Uh, I mean, I just have to no, be honest. Listen, listen. This, this man, so in Virginia, we got, when I was still in school, we had three classes, single A, double A, and triple A, right? Triple A, that's that's what Allen Iverson comes out of. That's what, you know, Grant Hill comes out of, Val Browns, like high-level basketball, right? And, you know, Troy, was it Troy Williams, Dorian Finney-Smith? Those are the guys you were playing against, right? And I think you took a team to the Final Four. You took a team to the Final Four, right? The state finals, Final Four. And no one on that team averaged over nine points. And I'm talking about historically, right? Every team that gets to the Final Four in VA, like, you know, you got Troy Daniels, those type of guys, they're putting up numbers. You got at least one D1 guy, and you got somebody that's putting up 20 points a game, right? And you got to you, – you're a good coach. You're a great coach. Great staff, too. Great coach, man. You talking about nine points, and you get to the Final Four, give yourself that just do, man. I'm giving you your flowers now, OG. Go ahead, take well, one. Well, I, I appreciate that. Right. But, <laughs> but thanks. But, you know, I never want to look at myself in that light because you guys know that after a loss, I'm more likely yeah. to come into the locker room and say, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Yeah. After a win, I might keep you an extra hour yeah. to talk about what yeah, we can yeah. do better. So, to, But that's, that's perfect right there, an example of talking about, like, you giving extra stuff, right? And I think what – what hurts is um, first. There's a saying that the man of wisdom and experience, the man, a man of experience, is always more willing to share his wisdom, right? Like, so if you you've been through these things, you've ran through this fire, so you know, like, this is what we're going up against. I've seen this. I've had the, you know, pump gas on the same day of my basketball games in high school. I know it is a struggle, so I'm gonna teach you through this. Now, the business of basketball is what changes things, right? Like. We get so frustrated all the time with watching kids get fooled, parents get fooled by what they think is good basketball training or good basketball program and not understanding that one, wherever you go, they shouldn't be telling you that, you know, you're going to be the best basketball player ever or whatever. It's just about learning the lessons through through the game, right? Learning how to struggle with something first. And then you see yourself stick with it and get better at it. And then you build up on that, on those puzzle pieces, right? But the business of basketball changed that. People people making millions of dollars of basketball all over the place, right? So, you know, that changes. But still, you have a responsibility. Man. You have a responsibility. You do. I mean, you you have, of course, you have a responsibility to your, your, your players and the program. 
but you know, but on the grassroots level, you're in there because you most times you do want to help, and you're not getting paid. Uh, if you are getting paid, it's it's really nothing. It's something that you would probably give back right back to the kids. But when it becomes too much of a burden dealing with the politics of basketball, yeah, and it takes away from your your health, um, takes away from your family, then that's when you start to say it's time for me to make a decision. And it's yeah. a tough decision because yeah. if you get into it with the right intentions, you you know your number one focus is what can I do to help this group of young men and women become better people, better players, better students. But if but the number one thing, if you can't do that and manage your your personal life, your home life, and your yeah. your professional life, then you yeah. have to make a decision. And that's where a lot of people stop coaching yeah. or they don't get into coaching. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, with you guys, you you probably got the sense that I'm a I'm a real basketball guy. Sure. Or, you know, whatever. Sure. It doesn't matter. Grassroots level, high school, college, perfect, whatever. I just love basketball, being around the guys. But um, it got to a point where I just had enough. And I said, you know what? I will do private training and I'll do coaching at my leisure. So that way I control, you know, the situation. Yeah. And before we um, came to Dubai, you know, I hadn't done anything for like three or four years be for that reason, because uh, my personal life became more important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and I know we talked about this before. I think my generation is coming. Right. I see a lot of guys that, you know, in my circle and out of my circle that are, are taking that time to step out there and make sure that they're their hand. They're the bridge and they're the bridge and that gap. And they're making that, um, you know, a point of emphasis for them. To make sure that they out there, they're leading, they're showing, and it's and it's good to do that young too, right? Because you're right, and I think this is a general statement. Like people, people always say that it's important, you know, to separate business from your personal life. You can't do that. Like you know, what I'm saying, you walk into work, you walk home, you're the same person, you're the same body, right? You gotta learn how to manage those things. So everybody needs. To, you always talk to me about this with as much work as we do out here, which is crazy for just the two of us. You always talk about how it's important to find that personal time, right? Like some people get the idea that they got to work, 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 work. But in order for you to be your best, and when you're working in a position where you're helping people, you got to give people energy, you got to find out what needs to be done to take care of you internally so you can be in your best space. And that's why I think, too, it's important to either give people some type of counseling or coaches or something, some type of counseling to help them get Get through that so they understand, okay, my thing is I got to make sure I get a haircut and a manicure and a pedicure and massage and I got to have a beach trip here or I need to do this every two weeks or whatever so that when I come back to you, I'm fully available and present, right? Because when you're dealing with just people, we're not engineers. We're not any of that. We're in the people business, right? We're working with people. Like whoever I'm talking to across the table from me, they got an entire life that they that they have to go back to, right? So I'm giving them energy. I want to be as present as possible. So that's just what I want, right? That's just what I want to see from the grassroots. Like you give those young, you give those young men, those young women, every bit of water they need for those seeds to grow. You know. Well, I mean, but that goes back to the, you know, the outside noises, outside voices, so to speak. You know, the school. Think about this: you're a high school coach at a, a public school, mm -hmm. and depending on where your public school is located and the population of your public school, 
you may have to do a little bit more than the public school 30, 30 minutes away. And the, the administration that hires you, um, they're giving you a set budget and they may give you that budget, but they may not offer any additional assistance. So if you do well, who's going to come in and be at every game and, and assume some of the glory? That administration. But when you do, if you're not doing so well or you're going through your growing pains, then that administration is going to be taking pressure from parents or community, whatever, and say, hey, you're not getting the job done. But what have they done to help you? And so so coaches have just gotten to the point where they're just fed up with that. And, um, you know, like I said, the the, the people who suffer the most are the, the players. And um, and until that changes, it's it's not going to um, it's not going to get any better. You, you wonder why some coaches are at certain schools for a length, a long period of time and they don't leave because they know they have a good situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I dig that, too. Um, I, I understand that. And I've seen it. Parents are crazy. Parents are crazy. So, you know, um, and, and and I'm not talking about any parent that I've seen in the UAE. Um, we're just talking about me as a player and me as, you know, just watching things and, and seeing stuff. Um, you know, children are the most prized possessions of many parents, right? So sometimes you don't see things clear, you know. Sometimes you don't make decisions based, um, you know, that's not subjective. Like, you're just looking at it like, this is this is my kid. They can do everything possible right so sometimes i get that i get that but it takes a, it takes a strong person a very present person to be able to say nah, i need to take my step back because i don't really know what this this project is like so you know let's see what this is but again to all you youth coaches out there with the right intention you know um, to those programs that are, are pushing you know you know i'm a product of dc blue devils team takeover Prince William Paces, you know, shout out to Coach Keith Honore. That's my guy, you know, Morello Vest, um, you know, Coach Doug, Coach Rob, you know, guys like that. Um, Coach Chucky, um, Coach Rodney, those those guys were, they were instrumental, right? And all of them guys went above and beyond, right? But a lot of people don't do that. You know, I've been on the flip side of that. So for everybody that's out there, and that you you're taking this this challenge, and as coach said, it ain't easy. You're not getting support from the community. Parents are driving you crazy. Every day that you walk into that gym, remember who you're doing it for. You know those kids in there need you, and you know they don't all. If they leave you, they may not get that same type of love. You know, shout out to Coach Thomas, I'm, who's now at Providence and was our coach in um, TC with you. I remember you and Coach Thomas telling us that. When you leave here, you may not get a coaching staff like us ever again. And man, he sounded like the prophet. Cause when I left, <laughs> ooh, it was a wrap, right? It was a wrap. Like it was just different. So all of those guys there, just, just keep pushing. Everybody back home, just keep pushing. And, you know, keep working, keep giving those kids those love, keep studying the game so you can give it to them the right way. There are a lot of imposters out there, right? But when you, when you know, when, when you see real, you don't take to the fake no more, right? So keep going, keep going. You know, it will get acknowledged. You know, the marathon continues, right? But that's the art, right? 
that's basketball at its purest form, right? Basketball at its purest form is is in a hot gym in the summertime, no AC, playing shirt versus skins. You know what I'm saying? That's basketball. That's the love. But when we talk about the business, we talk about the money. It's a little different, right? So let let's talk about what's more important: the art of the game, or the art of any craft, or the money. Like, how do you make that balance? Because let's say right now, right? Um, Greek. First of all, let me make sure I say that, um, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo is from Nigeria. He is African, you right. know. You know, we give him. Make sure you people understand that, too. That's African blood as well, right? But the Greek freak, right? They, I saw the contract. I saw, uh, I think it was Paul Pearson, a few people talking on ESPN. They said that the Greeks' max deal, if he stays in Milwaukee, is $220 million. 220, 220, right? M's, right? Now we talk about if he leaves and goes to a different program, it's 140, a different organization, it's 140 million, right? We had this talk in the conversation. I said, you leaving 80 million on the table? Like, I know I got 80 million on the table, right? Like, 80 of them, you know? Woohoo! This this is when it gets conflicting, right? Because you got to make decisions, right? Based on you know what's here in front of me right now, what's guaranteed, and then what could be, right? And when you're just talking about the art of the game, and 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 Giannis is in that place to where he wants to seat at a table that's different. Giannis wants to be in a conversation with some of the best players to ever play the game. That's not about money. That's about art, right? Because Joe Johnson got one of the biggest bags ever, right? He got he got paid, but he not in the conversations with the MJs, Kobe's, Kareem's, Wilts, and, and Bron. Giannis wants to be in that conversation, so you know that means you got to have those chips, right? So what? When does the when do you choose the art over the money, or is that ever a smart decision? <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough decision, but you know. If you've already made a hundred plus million and you need to concern yourself. I want more. (laughs) (laughs) If you need to concern yourself with um, making that extra 80 million, when you're going to end up making 200 plus million from salary and then another hundred million from endorsements. And you're trying to be mentioned with the greats such as, MJ, Kobe, Will, Kareem, and those guys. I mean, the decision is easy. It's easy. You got you got to go somewhere where you have a chance to win. Jupac, Jupac, come on, Jupac. Let me know. You talk, and, and I know you saying that because Giannis is not the first Antetokounmpo brother with a ring. You know, shout out to the Lake Show. Shout out to to, to Baby Freak. We got that that ring. The first one in the house with the W, but. 80 of them, King. And we're talking about Giannis was a guy who they said ran from his apartment to the Western Union in Milwaukee to make sure that he got money sent back home, right? You're talking about a guaranteed 220? A, a guarantee. I'm, I'm only, I'm listen, I'm only going off on things he said in terms of 
uh, how loyal he is and how much he wants to win and how comp- and how competitive he is. He's loyal. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. So, what? I mean, it, what, what's the option? The option is signing it and hoping that you guys contend or or hoping that somewhere down the road that if you don't get to where you want to go, they'll trade you somewhere nice. I mean, okay. Bradley Bill's in that situation. Listen, you already heard how I feel about the Wizards. Bradley, we can make room for you in L.A. somehow. <laughs> Some way, Bill. You can come get busy. But what I'm saying is, is from, a, from an OG point of view, right? Because I know I got my own thing. When do you choose the art over the money? When I mean, again, it's, it's, it's when you are if you're, you gotta, if you can make that call to your accountant and there's certain things in place already and you're ahead of schedule. Like what things? Like I mean, what? financially, in terms of, um, you know, your, basically your savings, retirement, um, things you have in place in terms of your lifestyle for the next 30, 40 years. You know, you gotta, because there's a lot of people who have money that are unhappy. And, and and people who have a lot of money coming in but are broke because they're not managing it well. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it, it just depends on how you – it depends on what you've done up to this point. Mm-hmm. You know, if Giannis were a guy that uh, lived a wild lifestyle and had, you know, uh, multiple families everywhere and things like that, <laughs> then he may have to get that extra $80 yeah, million, yeah, you know. Yeah. But um, it just depends on your personal situation. Yeah, you know that's true. I think I think like you know watching it's it's sometimes easier to to choose the art over the money. You know, depending on the industry, right? Because sometimes let's let's like take music for you can choose the art over the money, and choosing yourself because you are the entity, you can end up on the back end getting more, right? But when it comes to this league, right? You know that that extra. That extra eighty like this, but but it's a different league now too. You know, there's a lot of those short contracts where they go, you know, two year contracts with a second year player option, so they can you know fill it out and get right. But yeah, yeah. Listen, I don't care what area you're in. Eighty million is eighty. Is yeah. like, that's a that's a crazy number. Yeah. But the guys in the league today are in much better position financially than the guys were twenty years ago. Absolutely. And, and um, Absolutely. I mean, free the, agency and all that, too. It's all the Oscar Robinson. Yeah. I mean, the free agency, but more so than that, you young guys have developed, not even developed, you guys have mastered a way to manipulate um, all of the opportunities you have yes. to maximize money these days. Yes. Yes. And, yes. And yes. so uh, that's a shout out to all the young guys out there. Like, you guys are doing your thing. Yeah. Um, and so, that's why I'm, if I'm honest on this situation, I'm looking at it as if what's going to be the best situation for me yeah. to win. Because you know how we are. He can be a great player for 10 years. Mm-hmm. We will crucify him mm-hmm. towards the end if he doesn't win a championship. So, and let's talk about that, right? Because I think, I think people get into those debates, right? And you listen to sports, people talk about what it means to be a champion and all those different things, right? Now, we talk about, um, let's go to Paul George, for example, right? And and, and it's just for a little bit. We're not going to get into the Paul George, Scottie Pippen conversation just yet. But we talked about how 
typically in the media, they crucify people like LeBron for leaving Cleveland and going to Miami, KD for leaving OKC and going to the Warriors. So there's people leaving at any point and going somewhere else, right? But I think those people don't really understand what it means to be a champion. You talk to me about how important, as a champion myself, right? It might have been a high school, but when I got, when we won that state championship, I, w- I felt what it meant to be, or what it, I understood what it meant to be in a winning organization from top to bottom. I'm talking about from our coach to our team managers, to our principals, to our athletic director, right? And then because of that organization, we were winning 78 games in a row with no, win, no L's or with nothing like that, right? So when you look at the NBA, you got players. This is why I was talking about, like, players always got to get held accountable for stuff, but coaches don't. Right. So you got players who who have a toolbox. Right. Like a guy like Paul George. Paul George has every tool in his box to be top three in the league. Right. Paul George is a, a, an elite defender. Right. Who could be even better? He can. He got the handle. He got size. He can shoot. He can finish over top of you, around you, under. He can do all of those different things. Right. But where you place him in the organization he's in changes his trajectory on how great he's going to be, right? So, and I'll equate it to me going to college, right? Me going to college, I don't know how to be a great college basketball player, right? That's what I'm expecting to learn from my college coach, right? Because he's been here, he's done that. That's supposed to be his expertise, right? I get there and I'm learning, dang, I got to figure this out on my own, right? So, you take a guy like LeBron. Right. And any of those special players, they're going to get dropped off in an organization like that that doesn't win much. LeBron goes to Cleveland. Cleveland's never won a championship before. Right. They never, they, I don't, they haven't been to the playoffs since MJ hit the shot. Who is that? Craig Elo. Craig Elo. They haven't been in the playoffs since then. Right. So they have no clue what it means to win. Right. You just got a guy whose talent is bigger than the organization. So everybody's looking at him as like, he should be able to do more. When as basketball players, we're the artists. We just come in here. We don't worry about rules. We just love the way it feels to play basketball and get together. Everything on the back end, organizing, preparing and stuff, we expect to learn those different things, right? But if you don't get an organization that's going to teach you that, that's going to put you in a place to where you got championship habits, to where you guys know, like, all right, I need to be doing this every day on this end. Everybody's held accountable. You know, the team managers doing everything, video equipment guys doing it, the scout is everything is right on time. Then how can you say that this guy is not any good? Because Chris Paul is one of the greatest ever, right? But he also had to play in a Clippers organization that's never going to be anything more than a JV team in LA, right? Just the way it is. You play in New Orleans and all those other different things. But most people who do watch the game, they don't really understand that. Like, you talk about MJ, right? Chicago. Right. What was that time like? Because they their organization changed, but they never got back to where that where that was. But that was a um, let's just say um, before social media, Jordan being larger than life. Um, he's probably the most chronicled athlete ever before the event of uh, uh, social media. And let's just say Jerry Krause is no dummy. Yeah, you you do something to upset Mike. Back then, um, you know, you're you're at risk of losing the entire organization. So, uh, you know, that was a situation where let's let's keep adding pieces each year 
that are going to complement Mike Pippen and um, you know the third wheel, mm-hmm. and um, and they were able to keep it going. But you know that kind of leads me into talking about one of the things you mentioned about this: why aren't coaches held accountable? And I wanted I want to make sure that everybody understands that I'm, I look at it sometimes from a player's perspective, a coach's perspective, and a fan's perspective. And as a coach, um, NBA coaches are held accountable, probably more so than any other sport, because in the NBA, there's been more coaches who have won coach of the year and been fired that year. True. You know, the people in the NBA that need to be held more accountable are the general managers. Upstairs. Because, you know, if that coach um, doesn't perform up to a certain standard that the owner wants, then you hired him. Right. So if he's if you're going to fire that coach, you should probably be leaving as well. Mm-hmm. But we've seen general managers stay um, with one or two, maybe even three coaches coming in and out the door and they're not held accountable because yeah. we don't see them. True. You know, and then and here's the other thing, you know, you mentioned some great coaches early on in terms of Lionel Hollins and those guys who have, who were players Nate McMillan and those guys have done a pretty good job of coaching, but yet they seem to get a shorter leash when it comes to what they can do in terms of wins and losses. Well, part of those problems and Mark Jackson not having a job right now is a travesty um, is because those guys are former players, old school guys who understand what it means to be leaders and Everybody has their role to fill. If yeah. you're if you're um, in the front office and you're the general manager, once you hire the coach, let that coach do his or her job when they're in practice, when they're in mm-hmm. the game. Mm-hmm. That's their realm. Mm-hmm. But we have too many people in terms of analytics or s- social media pressure. An- analytics is trash, by the way. <laughs> or or how can I say um, ownership that may be a little um, too hands on. Interfering with what the coach has got to do. So you mentioned Paul George. Yes, he has all the tools in the world. But let's just say we don't know what was being said behind closed doors in terms of how to manage Paul George, how to manage Kawhi. We don't know. So you're the head coach, but you're the you're the least paid person in Mm. that front office and in terms of top tier players. So you're a puppet sometimes. Right. And you you're the one that you bear the blunt of the blame. And that's right. not fair all the time. And that's and like like the age old debate, right? You drop KG in San Antonio and then you put Tim Duncan in um, Minnesota. What type of careers do they have then, right? So you put it's it's different, right? It's night and day. Right. And and that's with like KG's still great, but just the natural ability that K I mean Tim Duncan's still great, but the natural ability that KG had which is different, right? But if you get the if you get to start your career off next to the admiral, <laughs> and then you got Pop, who got all the support from the GM in that office, they all in line from top to bottom. It's different, right? So if you drop, and like you say now, Toronto's running one of those organizations that have a great GM to where they're just going to be a winning um, program for a while. But if you drop certain players in different places to where not only are they able to grow but it be, and be nurtured, but they're being led perfectly, right? Like, that's just a whole different space, right? So sometimes when we talk about somebody not winning a ring, 
it's just so much more than that. Like, no, that's how we know if you guys aren't real winners, right? Like, if you aren't real winners, you don't understand that you got to have everybody on the same accord from top to bottom, right? And even then, you still might not win, but you know you're still on the same space. You got to keep pushing that stuff, right? Like, but like I said, Paul George got that toolbox camp. I mean, he, he does. got that toolbox. He, I, I know everybody way off P. You know what I'm saying? He not play on feet. Like, I understand pandemic P looking crazy, but I, I think that probably is why it hurts me. Because before he started having that tragic performance, I was like, listen, we talk about top 10 in the league. Like, PG got a, got a top five in the league toolbox, like, for, for sure. I don't know what's going on up top. You know, I don't know if he... He really- for sure has the potential to be... One of the all-time great small forwards. For sure. If, 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 I don't know if he gets out of his own mind or he's in the right situation, but he has everything necessary for that. For sure. Um, for sure. So. That's, that's a drop. But, you know, we'll, as we get into this, you know, we still got being, being away from home is like, cause you're a history buff. I didn't know that. That's that's one of those things you learn about your OG when y'all go from player coach to you know to to, to mentor and to now y'all business partners where you just start seeing things. One, you seeing things you never wanted to see before, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then you just start you just having conversations because y'all the only two in an entire hemisphere that that y'all know. So you only talk to them on each other. You find out your history buff. So, you know, we we just – our journey out here is crazy, right? So we just got access to CNN and stuff. We'll, we'll tell y'all about that later. But <laughs> I, I caught, you know, the, the um, it's the biggest reality TV show in the last four years, you know, back home with 45, the, that presidential debate. And it's, it's just ironic to have it the the night before and catching it now to where, you know, I can't even – sometimes I can't even believe that I look, I turn on the TV or I look on Apple News and I see 45 men in the headline as president. And like, like where we, I want to make sure we encourage everybody to vote. I'm in Dubai, guys. I'm in Dubai. I haven't even been home at all. Like I've been a full year away from my mom, my bro, my new niece, Peyton. Shout out to her, like all my best friends have been here. But my vote has been casted. My vote is in. My vote is being counted. Now, voting isn't the solution to all of our problems. It's not. That is for sure, right? There's always a more to be done, you know. But please go out there and make sure you cast your vote and make those things happen. You know, I know, OG, you feel strongly about this. It is not the only thing um, necessary in terms of changing our current situation. But it is a necessity. It is the foundation of all of the change that will occur in a positive manner. Uh, because too many people before you fought so hard to get the opportunity to vote. So how dare any of us, myself included, waste that opportunity to voice our opinion? Yes, yes. And then, and then there are some who are radical to the extent, you know, pro-black and everything else who say, you know, our ancestors fought for us to to vote just for us to still be in the same position. We are not in the same position, not at all. You know, um, I've learned that we stand on the shoulders of our elders. We stand on the shoulders of our ancestors. We would not be able to be talking this freely without them at all. 
there would be no opportunity for us to voice our opinions on things. And of course, you know, Jim Crow and a lot of those things are only 60 years out. It's, we're the, we're that generation now that's supposed to be taking charge and taking lead to what's going to change forever going forward, right? So don't get into the smoke screen of, you know, voting is not important. My vote does not count. Everything counts now, and we need to do these things now, and the job is not done after that. So please vote. Um, also, want to send out um, – and. Before I do this, I want to make sure I, people understand that I know that, you know, just acknowledging something or saying something doesn't make anything any easier for people. But, you know, hopefully saying something will allow somebody to go do some research, somebody to go do something, it may spark a mind to do something. But um, our brothers and sisters in Nigeria are, are fighting for their lives, it's basic human rights. Um, if you look under the hashtag NSARS, you'll see kind of the, the struggles that Nigerians are going through just to have freedom from you know, their government um, and what their uh, military task force are doing to them. Just go take out your own time. Look, look it up, um, retweet, repost, do whatever you can. Um, understand that the fight for human rights is, is for everybody. It's not a, it's not a regional thing. It's not a race thing. It's not anything. Everybody should just be able to have basic human rights. So we support that as well. Um, and that's love. Now, now let's give our post game wrap up, Coach. And I know I, I'll go first because I know how you like to give. You like to get that long after the game speech. For me, um, I just say what's been on my mind, what I've been sharing with my friends probably the last two weeks. Bend but don't break. We are resilient people. You know things don't come easy. You know there's always something that's popping up that we may feel like, man, just when I was getting started, this this comes, this pops up, but. Bend, but do not break. It's okay to bend. Bend is we've we've been in Dubai. We've we've been bending, Mister Elastic over here. We've been bending. We've been bending, but we refuse to break. You know, you know that's just the heart of a champion. Be resilient. Keep pushing. And as you go through this week, bend, but do not break. You got it. You are enough. Be you. Keep going. Yeah. Um, for me. It's, I want to say humble yourself. Um, and when I mean humble yourself, I mean for you young guys out there, um, there's going to be a lot of times where you're going to run across some, some older person such as myself that may um, come to you and have something to say. It may not be what you want to hear at that moment, but just take a moment to just listen. Because, you know, I know that there's a lot of older guys that you guys say, they're out there haters and they don't want you to do certain things. No, we are your biggest fans because you guys are going to take us into the next millennium. OK, but, you know, I want you to understand that you guys can always learn something from no matter who you come across. And if it's an older person, they've probably gone through some of the situations that you're going to go through or you've been through. And they just want you to not make the same mistakes that they did. So just remember that just humble yourself a little bit, listen, and then if you can take something from it, great. If you can't, just show that respect because at some point in time, you're going to be in that same position. Bars. <laughs> That's a fact. You know, I'm living testament to that. So. That's our episode for today. Bridging the Gap podcast, Taylor Two Generation, you know, OG versus uh, young OG. You can find us 
We will be on SoundCloud. We will be on Apple Podcasts. We'll be on Spotify, um, Google Podcasts. If you want to find our podcast website, it'll be on Captivate.fm. Um, if you are in the UAE and you want to get basketball lessons, um, it doesn't matter if you've never played basketball before. It doesn't matter if you need to be taught how to run. If you just want to be a part of the game and be around the game, you can come, you can work out with us, train with us, bring your child. Any age, we'll go from five to 75. Um, and that's Hoop Mountain Dubai. That AE. You can find us on Instagram at Hoop Mountain DXB. Um, you know, we, as we always say there, make sure you live the game on the court and off. So for me, your host, Ryan Yates, co host, Drew Park, aka, you know, Angry Man. You know, shout out to Ethan too for holding us down on there. Yeah, take care, guys.